Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show online. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show i am sitting here sitting over there at the helm today she's ashley pickle she's the dutch of the door were you looking for something to roast me on yeah yeah sometimes you just don't have it you know what i mean okay that's fine i right? don't mind like not getting it's roasted okay. for check it's, notes like the first time ever. all i'm saying is it's okay to take a pitch you know what i mean okay. it's okay to take a pitch okay. sometimes <laughs> today is tuesday september 21st the 21st day of september uh, 2021. It's 92121. Yesterday, some numbers are the same. Was 92021 like the three greatest Spurs of all time? It was a great day. Well, not the three greatest, but the big Matt three. Matt Bonner? <laughs> Red Rocket. We're anyway. A Ma- we're a Matt Bonner stand podcast. Oh, we absolutely we stand, are. We stand Matt we Bonner. We do. <laughs> That's the one spur we can agree on. <laughs> 65 days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Liam Gallagher of Oasis. Episode 1245. On today's show, friends, we're going to recap the college football weekend. We're going to talk with Craig Way, the Texas High School Hall of Famer, joining us here uh, in a little <laughs> bit. I messed you up. <laughs> he stuttered a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because somebody, a woman <laughs> shouted in my ears. <laughs> That's my always my bad. goal. That is always my uh, goal. <laughs> we'll talk with Craig Way, and then we will round it all out with the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week, including a record-setting special teams play. Yeehaw. Stay tuned. There's a tease. That's what we call a vertical tease. I never know the It's difference. a vertical tease. I need Horizontal is across days. Vertical is in the course of a day. Anyway, do we have first force of the door? Sure. Uh, Aaron Arbuckle, Alan Shepard, Rob Hadaway, and William Dyson. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, my friends. All right, Pickle, let's do this. The Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha will recognize 10 influential Texas high school football athletes who are leaders both on and off the field this week. 
we are honoring Denison running back Jadarian Price. Uh, he is a Boys and Girls Club volunteer every summer, and he is committed to play football at Notre Dame. He has a 4.46 GPA Ooh. and will be an early graduate to report in South Bend, the senior running back from Denison. Jadarian Price is our Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. Congratulations to Jadarian. Read more about what makes Jadarian a great leader at TexasFootball.com. Something funny? Yeah. My my mom just texted me a picture. She said my screen froze and here I can hold it up. It was quite the image of you. <laughs> Shout out Trish. Thought we were friends, Trish. <laughs> Thought we were friends. Pickle. The college football weekend is in the books on Friday, you may remember. Thursday rather. Thursday. Thursday we asked some burning questions. About the college football weekend? Sure did. Let's let's circle back to those. Let's just do, do you like that? Do you like getting emails that say circling back to this? No. No. Okay. Let's uh, follow up on our uh, on fine. our college football burning questions from week three. What was our first question? Our first check. question was, who is the Lone Star Conference favorite now? And I think that was answered. Yeah. I mean, I think that at this point, you have to look at, at what Midwestern, Midwestern State, State has done and say, yeah. They are, they've got to be the favorite right now. They have beaten at least the top two favorites, mm-hmm. the teams that started the year number one and number two in the preseason poll yeah. uh, in back to back weeks. Now, look, uh, UC Permian Basin's hot, right? I think West Texas AM's not going anywhere. But if you want to talk about the perfect start to your conference season, oh, yeah. Midwestern State, I think, has to be at least in the catbird seat. Are they the best team? Maybe, yeah. uh, I think that uh, I think that what you saw from them last week. Now, part of it is that uh, the quarterback for Angelo State, uh, 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 Bronkhorst, Zach Bronkhorst, went mm-hmm. down in this game. But Western State took advantage. And Dylan Sterling Cole was great. Uh, defense stood on its head. They're three and zero. They are two and zero in Lone Star Conference with two of the real big boys in their rearview mirror. Oh yeah, that's huge. So I think Midwestern State has to be your Lone Star Conference favorite at mm-hmm. this point. At this point, here on September twenty first, ask me in a week, and things may have changed. Right. But for now, their resume I think says it, all that it needs I think, to say. I think that the Lone Star Conference goes through Wichita Falls. What's next, Pickle? Up next, after a fifty-eight to nothing beating over Rice, the question was, "What's a reasonable expectation for Casey Thompson on Saturday?" And seemed to get it done. Uh, I would say uh, what we saw last week mm-hmm. was a reasonable expectation. He really only had one mistake he with that interception. He didn't do it. he didn't do too much, right? Mm-hmm. I, that was one of the things that, that I wanted to see was I wanted to make sure that he didn't do too much, mm-hmm. and he didn't. He let the he let the offense. Uh, kind of cook. He let the offense go and 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 do what they needed to uh, do what they needed to do. I thought Casey Thompson was sharp. Um, he took care of his business. Yeah. And uh, in the end, he finished 15 of 18 for 164 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. You'll take that. Yep. You'll take that. A guy who looked like he was in command of the offense. He looked comfortable back there. Mm-hmm. That was something that we didn't see. Now, part of it is it was against Rice, a team that they were going to overmatch. Right. But. At the same time. But we also thought they were going to overmatch Arkansas. Sure. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> I think that it's. I think that um, that was important. He looked accurate. He looked in command. And I think that he will be the guy who who is now going to be the, the starting quarterback going forward, at least for the foreseeable future. What's next, Pickle? Uh, well, the question was, what is step number one for improving oh, the North no. Texas defense? Let me oh, just recap this score oh, for you real no. fast. A 40-6 absolute butt whooping from UAB. Um, so throw it all away. <laughs> I mean, so we, we talked about, here's the thing we talked about, um, 
that step one was to get pressure. And here's the thing. <laughs> Actually, they got two sacks on 17 dropbacks, mm-hmm. right? They got two sacks. 13, I believe that's about 13%, yeah. right? That's pretty good, okay? But the problem was that was functionally it. That was they functionally They did not do another it. thing. <laughs> they faced 76 plays and... They were not able to do. They got. They had four what we call havoc plays, where mm-hmm. they were able to 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 mess up what they were doing. Four, um, just an astonishingly poor poor performance. The I, moment- here's the other thing, though. Here's the, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. The other thing, though, the offense didn't do them any favors. No, absolutely not. They were out on the field for a majority of the game. The offense got they they got hung out to dry in a lot of respects mm-hmm. with three turnovers. Um, that the defense was continually thrown back out there, um, yeah. I just it was a, it was a, a horrible, horrible performance all the way around. I think the defensive backs were just it was that was the worst part because the moment someone broke past the line of scrimmage, it was just to the yes. house every time. There was no tackling. It was pretty bad, pretty bad. They gave up a, a ton of explosive plays, especially through like that was the weird thing. There were seventeen dropbacks, right? Two of them were sacks, mm-hmm. very good. Four of them were explosive plays. Yes, you can't give that up. Uh, you can't live on that razor's edge like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a very, very poor performance from, from them. What's next, Pickle? Speaking of another very poor performance for one Texas team here, Texas State versus Incarnate Word over under on 89.5 total points. Well, went under uh, 76. <laughs> yep. Um, 42 to 34. Yeah. Incarnate Word no, won incarnate, that game. <laughs> and, and, and this was the thing. Incarnate Word, in many respects, did their part. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, their offense was... I mean, shout out to them. Don't take that away oh, from no. them. <laughs> well, actually, and I would say both offenses were really pretty good in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Incarnate Word was exceptional on running the ball, exceptional passing the ball. They were they they had big explosive plays on both sides of it. The same can actually be said for for Texas State. I thought that the offense was actually okay. Brady mm-hmm. McBride, uh, basically, you know, two seventy eight, two touchdowns, no picks. But you, you know, can't let Incarnate Word put up. But the defense, the you. defense had no answers. The defense had no answers. I mean, they they were averaging, they averaged Incarnate Word averaged seven point two yards per play. That's Rough. staggering. Mm-hmm. I mean. FCS teams. Now, Incarnate Word, I mentioned on Twitter, Incarnate Word is better than you think. Right. Incarnate Word is a pretty good FCS team. But when you're an FBS team playing an FCS team, you cannot give up 7.2 yards per play. No, absolutely not. Just. There's no excuse for it. Just very, very poor. Very poor. So, bad. 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 But. <laughs> What's next? Part? Let's shift to a positive note here. Uh, the question was, is Houston closer to week one, Cougs, or week two? And with a 45 to nothing shutout over Grambling State, I say that we got the week two, Cougs. Yeah. That's not to say that I'm, like, overly pleased. Grambling no. was overmatched in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought – I thought – okay, let's start with the positives. Let's start with the positives. Defense, excellent. Mm-hmm. No notes. Really outstanding. They held them to an 11% success rate. Okay, an 11% success rate on as far as plays are concerned, which means that that it, it improved their expected points average on each uh, on a play. F- 11%, five out of their how many snaps they have? 45 plays. Awesome. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay. The offense for Houston was quite bad. 
part of it is that Clayton Toon went out, although Clayton Toon was not good when he was in there. Uh, they bring in Ike Ogbogu. Ogbogu. One more time. Ogbogu. Ike Ogbogu. That is a really tough name. And he was fine. He he looked like yeah. a backup quarterback, but against a, a bad team, a team that they overmatch. Uh, they ran the ball pretty well. Alt McCaskill ran the ball pretty well, mm-hmm. and and I think that overall that's where they really they really shined the best. That is an offense that is not going to beat good AAC teams if they play like that. Um, they're going to beat teams from the SWAC, right, in Grambling, but they're not going to be good. Um, they're not going to be good AAC teams. Overall defense spectacular. Awesome! You take the mm-hmm. week off, guys. You guys yeah. look good. Well done. But but the the offense has got to figure things out, especially if Clayton Tune's going to be out. We don't know what his status is going to be going forward, but he went out in this game with an injury. Mm-hmm. So, all right, what's next, Pickle? Up next, the question was: Is Tech going to be three and zero for the first time since twenty seventeen? Um, yes, fifty four to twenty one over FIU. Yeah, and and this thing started dicey, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't no. Do I think it, it. might have been like fourteen fourteen. At one point, um, that sounds that right? right. Yeah, it seems like it was like fourteen, fourteen, at one point, and I was like, "Oh God!" But then, Tech turned it on. Yeah, Tech woke up, especially offensively, and especially finally, we saw like what we had signed up for from Tyler Shuck. We we saw what we signed up for. 28 to 35, 399, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's what it should have been against Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, and it was against. Theoretically, an FBS team. Theoretically, a better team in right. FIU. Um, that's what we signed up for. Which is great, but they've mm-hmm. got to learn to start playing in the first quarter or else those sure. Big 12 games aren't going to yeah, end up st- that way. I mean, they started super slow. <laughs> yeah. But once they woke up, the offense it's- got into gear, and that was the first time we really saw it. No, that's not true. They got into gear in the second half against Houston. Yeah. So, But they did not get into gear at all against Stephen F. Austin. Mm-mm. But once after basically that first quarter, they really took off and they were great. Um, and look, the defense, I thought, played pretty well. Once they once they kind of woke up and they were they figured out, oh, wait, we're just a lot better than them. Um, it's I, like everyone I, took a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, you know, I think that their rush defense is still a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little worried about their, their running defense. But overall... I thought that it was pretty solid, yep. and and I think that for for Tech three and O is three and O. You don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Mm-mm. and now they go to uh, it's in Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go to Austin on on Saturday morning. So three and O is three and O, and you don't you don't uh, complain about that. What's next, Pickle? Up next, let's talk some CUSA ball. What was the most important unit to UTSA starting CUSA play one and O? Oh, well, they did. They beat Middle Tennessee twenty-seven to thirteen. Yes, and this is one of those games that it was not as close as the rec- as the score indicates. This no, game was, that was garbage. This time. game was this game was over halfway through the game. I mean, uh, three quarters of the way through the game. Right, this game was was over. Now, look again, kind of like what we're talking about with Houston mm-hmm. defense. No notes. Spectacular. Really good. They held down a t- an offense that is basically entirely reliant on throwing the ball, and they just smothered them. They, yep. I think Bailey Hockman, the quarterback for Middle Tennessee, quit the team. Like, on on Sunday. He quit the team. He made them quit. Like, UTSA's defense was excellent. Mm-hmm. They were really, really good. They were not allowing anything in the passing game. That was very good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And by the way, the, the the rush the rush defense was very good as well. I believe they only gave up, boy, fifty yards of rushing. They look really good. good. Right they now. look great. They look real good. Okay, so the offense was okay. 
Part of it, it no, wasn't part, as part explosive. Of it was Frank Harris threw a couple picks. Yeah. Part of it was Frank Harris threw a couple picks. They were basically those two picks away from like really running away from them. But that was a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Since here McCormick goes for 100 yards, but ho-hum. You know what I mean? We're kind of used to that. Um, but, you know, Frank, they, they came up with the big plays when they needed them. Um, they also had a pick six, I believe, in this game. And that was one of the biggest games, one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, and, yeah, I, look, they're 3-0. and They've got a huge game this week against Memphis. Mm-hmm. Maybe, if you squint, maybe the toughest game left on their schedule. Um, but... I think that the most important thing for them in this game was their defense because the offense was fine. It was okay. They're going to need to turn it on this week against Memphis. What's next, Pickle? Up next, and probably the most exciting game of the weekend, how worried... Not probably. It was. <laughs> how worried are you about SMU's pass defense? And if you missed it, the Hail Mary won it for the Mustangs 39-37 to over La Tech. Yeah, they were dead, and then they were not. Uh, and then they, and then they won. Like basically, is kind of what happened. Like all within like yes. a split second on the final play. <laughs> uh, so the question at, at hand was, how worried are you about the pass defense? Mm-hmm. Uh, still worried. Yep, didn't look too. Still hot. worried. Austin Kendall goes twenty four thirty eight for three fifty one and four touchdowns and a pick. Um, yeah, still worried. Um, their offense was able to kind of overcome the defense, the pass defense's mm-hmm. troubles. That's going to probably be a theme going forward. I, I, and that's I just, not good. I, re- I remain concerned about this pass defense, um, and and furthermore, you know they were not really able to. They didn't get they um, they got one sack in this game, right? Mm-hmm. One sack. They had a couple splash plays, right? They they uh, they had one sack. They had three pass deflections and an interception, but that is just that's just not going to do it. No, they've got to they've got to find a way to come up with be a little bit more you know get off the field on third down come mm-hmm. up with big plays and stuff to get and them you off. just can't wait for your offense to be right. able to throw a Hail Mary every game you've right. got to start doing something for them because yeah. the offense look good <laughs> right exactly so um look wins are wins you don't apologize for wins no. big game this week in the iron skill against TCU what's next pickle up next, Baylor did what they needed to do against Kansas, 45-7. to The question earlier last week was Baylor's offense over under on 449.5 total yards. And they came up with 585. So they did. How about that? They looked they, – they woke up in the second half. Now, they, they were, in my opinion, never in peril of losing this game. No. Because – Which was good. <laughs> because Kansas's offense is – But. Extra but. Extra but. Very, very bad. And give credit to the to the Baylor defense. They came up with big plays. But the offense was stuck in the mud in the first half. They woke up in the second half. They were able to really get the ball running. Um, you know, they were able to run the ball really well with Abram Smith, with Treston Ebner, um, spread the ball around a little bit. Tay McWilliams got a touchdown run in this game. Mm-hmm. Gary Bohannon was fine. I thought he was adequate in this game. I don't I don't think they, they needed him to go out there and be spectacular, but no. I think that he was pretty darn good. But the defense led the way. So they they hit the over. Uh, there's your there's your Big 12 gimme. There's mm-hmm. your Big 12 layup. And good job for taking good it. Good job. D- don't screw around with it. We've certainly seen teams that have <laughs> screwed with gimmies, right? Yep. Uh, they did not miss the layup. Now they need to go and, and hit a couple of tough shots. So uh, good win for Baylor. They're 3-0. What's next, Pickle? Finally, another team that went out there and took care of business was A&M with their 34 to nothing shutout over New Mexico. The question last week was what should we be looking out for for the Texas A&M offense on Saturday? Yeah, and what we wanted to see was what the offense, what kind of adjustments they made to the scheme to, now yeah, that... Yeah, to fit their personnel. Yes, now that, um, that Haynes King is out and now that Zach Calzada is in. 
Um, they pushed the ball down the field a little bit more, which I was happy to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not doing that with with Haynes King. I don't know if they were waiting to open up the playbook and he just got hurt before they could really do that. Um, but they were certainly pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. Uh, in fact, on passing, uh, they averaged 7.6 yards per pass, which was pretty good. Now, part of it was they had a long touchdown pass to uh, Demon Demas, uh, who I believe scored his first. I think that might have been his first career catch. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that the offense was good against New Mexico. They're a lot better than New Mexico. New Mexico's yeah. pretty bad. Um, I still have my concerns about the offense, and they're mm-hmm. going to linger into this week with a big showdown at AT&T Stadium against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did show signs. I did see signs of flexibility. I did show see signs of, of versatility and an ability to change the offense a little bit to fit Zach Calzada's scheme. Um, well, and it's like we said last week, this was the perfect thing for the Aggies, honestly, mm-hmm. to be able to go out there and get some playing, like some actual game time snaps, but also know that we're still, this gives us an opportunity to figure stuff out. Basically. Defense looks great. Defense looks fantastic. Awesome stuff there. But uh, offense, I, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do against a team that, that for the first time this year, I think actually matches up against them. Yeah. So a team in their wake. In a in a game that's always just nutso. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So defensively, AM, fantastic. Offensively, good. I'm not quite ready to declare Unsure. that their problems are solved. Uh, let's see them do it against a really good team. Like uh, Not a really good team, but at least a, a very solid team in Arkansas. Yes. So, there you go. And that is our college football recap. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle. Derry Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches across the state for the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided season's end. Your week four, Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Dallas Conrad defensive coordinator Michael McNabb. The Chargers pulled off an impressive district win, allowing just four yards and forcing four turnovers while scoring a safety in a dominating 46-3 win over Dallas Jefferson. Natalia defensive coordinator Casey Crowther. The Mustangs defense flexed its muscles against rival Lytle, pitching a shutout and allowing just 27 total yards and a 41-0 shutout. Smithville offense coordinator Shane Savoy. Eight different Tigers scored a touchdown as Smithville romped for 472 yards in a 78-7 win over Austin Crockett. And finally, Klein Forest offense coordinator Rodney Freeman. Kendrick Bailey ran for 192 yards and three touchdowns to pace a 415-yard attack, including 312 on the ground, as the Golden Eagles flew past, flew past Houston Bel Air 66-21. So those are your Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Pickle, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the Hall of Famer. You know him from the Horn in Austin. You know him as the voice of the Texas Longhorns, and you know him from High School Scoreboard Live on Bally Sports Southwest. He is our good friend, Craig Way. Craig, how are you, my friend? 
I'm great, Tip. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. No complaints here. Um, no complaints, and I imagine that things are. Last week, I asked you about the smoldering wreckage of Austin in the wake of Texas's <laughs> loss to Arkansas. I imagine that those buildings have been rebuilt, and that uh, everything is hunky dory after taking care of business against Rice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All is well again, at least for another you know 72 hours. Yeah. And then you see where it goes from there. But yeah, yeah. Every everybody is happy and onward and upward. Yes. No. Yeah. Exactly. No notes from uh, from from Texas on Friday night. Okay, or Saturday rather. So let's talk a little bit about last week uh, with the uh, the the Texas high school football world, and I think. A good place to start is probably what happened in DeSoto with Duncanville's win over DeSoto. Obviously an important win for for Duncanville. But also, of course, Reginald Samples becomes the 13th member of the 300 club in Texas high school football. Um, you are a, a Texas high school football historian in many respects. Um, I guess for, for folks who may not rec- realize, can you put into context um, just how impressive and, and maybe how... Um, I don't want to say unexpected because we know Coach Samples is a darn good coach, but but how remarkable it is for for somebody like Reginald Samples to reach the 300 win plateau. Yeah, I, I think that's the proper word, uh, remarkable, especially given the fact that it took decades, decades uh, before African American uh, kids could play on the same varsity high school football teams. You know, you had but uh, in the days before desegregation it was an integration you had uh, obviously some great historic accomplishments from schools and from coaches in the old prairie view interscholastic league and i know you've researched those files extensively as well and we've seen uh, some of the great hallmark coaches who toiled in that era be able to post some numbers but uh, once the integration period uh, in, uh, entered into uh, in, into our our lives and into uh, 20th century, latter 20th century Texas high school football. Then it became a question of opportunities, and uh, you know, other than historically black uh, uh, intercity high schools that were integrated via the UIL. Would coaches get those opportunities? And Reginald Samples toiled as many did in those days with what he built at Lincoln High School and got him to within a heartbeat of a state championship there and then went to Skyline, which originally, when the school opened in the early 70s, was mainly suburban and to some extent a little bit affluent uh, eastern side of Dallas, largely white-populated suburban high school. That changed, the numbers changed uh, with that. But what he did there was tremendous to build that into a state title contender. And then Duncanville, uh, for him to build what had been a a proud program uh, under Dan Gandy and then Bob Alpert uh, won a state championship in 1998, and then it fell off for a long time, and nobody could, could really resurrect that. He went in and you know, did what a lot of coaches do to build programs. He walked the hallways, he and his staff, and they got kids to come out because Duncanville, as we know, is a large population number school, but that doesn't necessarily always translate into kids who are willing to play football. He made it cool for people to play football and play it at a high level. And I think this is even more impactful about Reginald Sample's time as a coach. And, and I thought your partner on Football Friday, Aaron Hardigan, really laid it out very well in the, in the extensive piece she did with him is what he did with his coaching tree, what he did 
to help other young African-American head coaches get opportunities to be head coaches and not just in the throwaway jobs, so to speak, and jobs that, that really mattered. And they all spoke eloquently about it, about what he did for them. And I think that is as impactful as about anything else he did, because it was able to spread the gospel then of, of guys who really and truly are gifted at coaching who might not otherwise have gotten an opportunity as quickly as his status impacted their potential opportunities. So I think he, he, he reaches the game in so many ways. And I know, you know, it, it makes sense for folks to say the only other thing that's missing is the state championship. That's true. But you know what? It, it's the only thing missing from the Phil Danaher resume. Mm-hmm. And he's the all-time winningest coach in Texas high school football. It doesn't always happen, or it doesn't certainly doesn't always happen in the time frame that a lot of folks wish and hope it to be. And I think, by the way, both have opportunities this year to still win that elusive state championship. If you're in the conversation and you have your team in the running year after year, sometimes it's not your best team that wins it. It might be the other. So both of those guys, I think, have an opportunity this year, albeit both of them in very crowded fields. All right, Craig, we're now into week five of the Texas high school football season, and we're probably approaching uh, no fluky undefeated teams season. Like, we're, 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 we're rapidly getting there. Um, and so I guess my question for you is, of the teams that presently are undefeated, teams that, are, 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 uh, that haven't taken a loss quite yet, is there a team that stands out to you as a bit of a, I don't want to say surprise, but one that certainly caught your eye as saying, wow, okay, I think that perhaps this team has very clearly taken a step forward to be there at 4-0, one that you didn't necessarily see coming. Is there an undefeated team that really that really strikes you immediately? There's a couple that come to mind uh, at the 6A level. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily that I didn't think they couldn't be good and have an opportunity to be really good. It's where I think I'd like to see a little bit more just to make sure that they really are, you know, as good as they possibly could be. Katie Tompkins mm-hmm. is one of those. Uh, that's that's one of the ones that I think. And then and then uh, maybe you could also make that say that I, I don't know if it's an argument, but you could you wonder a little bit about Cibolo Steel only because of where they are and who they played. So far, Clear Falls might be another one that you could look at. And then how about the Fighting Farmers of Louisville? My first ever regular season play-by-play gig was calling Louisville Fighting Farmers football when I was at North Texas back in the day. And the the maroon and whites uh, to be off to that 3-0 start is, is impressive. All right, Craig, we have, a, uh, we have a question here from one of our viewers. Jacob John wants your opinion on which is the better San Antonio area game. Would you rather go to Smithson Valley um, at New Braunfels or Brandeis at Johnson? Ooh, wow. That's, That's a, a tough one. Good. That's a Sophie's choice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it might be Brandeis Johnson only to get a, an even better look at Johnson. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I, New Braunfels obviously attracted all the attention of what they did in the win over Judson last week. And I've, uh, I've been on board with Smithson Valley thinking that they're somebody to keep an eye on this year. So that, that's really, really close. Maybe the more intriguing matchup might be Smithson Valley-New Braunfels to see which one 
continues at least through the first five weeks, Tep, to be quote-unquote yeah. for real. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, we had Glenn Mangle from, from New Braunfels on our show yesterday, and, and one of the things that, that I was I, I keep thinking about is, you know, they get that big win over, over Judson, and this it, it, in, a, in, a, in some ways it kind of reminds me of what Atascacita did in mm-hmm. the sense that they came up here and they beat they came up to DFW and they beat Allen. Then they tried to do the, the DFW double, right, to go back up there and beat Geyer. They fell short of that. This is a, in, a, in kind of ways that that's kind of that, that same that same regard of like, OK, you got our attention with the Judson win. If you beat Smithson Valley, then we're really talking about some heady stuff here. Uh, show us a little little bit more and we're willing willing to really hop on board the bandwagon but yeah between that and and then johnson and and brandon it's a really fun week in the the san antonio area uh we're talking i love yeah we're talking with craig way the texas high school football hall of famer here on texas football today get involved the conversation hashtag tf today all right craig i'm gonna do uh the the thing that we love to do to one another we'll torture one another uh and, and make you make you parachute into a game i'm gonna give you three different games and you gotta pick one that you wanna go to the first, okay. you can go to Panola County and you can watch Gilmer and Carthage go at it. Or you can go to, I guess, it's, is Rockwell in Dallas County? I don't know that. Is that? A, no, it's in Rockwell County. It's in Rockwell the County. Smallest ca- the yeah. smallest county in the state of Texas, about the size of a postage stamp. You can go to Rockwall <laughs> County to go to uh, Rockwall and Rockwall Heath in, uh, in what may be the biggest game in Rockwall County history. Or, and I'll throw one more at you. You can go out west, and you can go to Idaloo, newly ranked in the rankings, taking on New Deal. Which of those three are you going to pick? Well, I love the South Plains matchup there of Idaloo and New Deal. I do like that. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to pack uh, a dinner and uh, some marshmallows and uh, camping equipment, camp out for a while on Rockwall and Heath, because you're going to be there for a while. Um, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It could be a 72 to 68 final. I, it certainly <laughs> wouldn't shock me. It could be the most entertaining game of the week, no doubt. Oh, 100%. I, that That is a... Uh... Uh, we, we like both those teams, and so I don't mean this disrespectfully. That may be a defense-optional type game. Type game. That may be who has the ball Very, I, lo- I love your terminology. Pointsy. Very pointsy. <laughs> He's Craig White. He's the Texas High School full- Football Hall of Famer. Joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. And, of course, you can hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday and then see him on Bally Sports Southwest. Uh, he will be in He will be in Las Colinas doing uh, doing high school scoreboard live until 1 a.m. And then he's going to call an 11 a.m. kick between Texas Tech and Texas. And, and aren't you aren't you basically living at 11 a.m. for the next month? Probably. Uh, definitely for uh, this week and the following week against TCU. Almost a certainty for the following week against Oklahoma. So, yeah, you got the you got the 11 a.m. trifecta, I think, coming up uh, for the next 21 days. Uh, well, we'll suck it up and deal with it. Well, I'll catch up on some sleep beforehand. As always. All right. Talk to you <laughs> Bye, later, Craig. Craig. All right, we'll see you. There he goes. Craig Way, the Texas High School Bowl Hall of Famer, joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. Um and and yeah, I always he's a machine. I'll, I, I'm always say. very because so the only time he doesn't do scoreboard mm-hmm. is when they have a road game, a road game with and really it's well, only like well, West two, Virginia. Two examples. Two examples. It's either a road game out of state, uh huh, 
But even then, if it's like a 6.30 kick at Oklahoma State, he'll do mm-hmm. scoreboard. I was right? going to say, my favorite story was when he literally like left scoreboard and drove overnight to go to the to Texas Tech, which Tech. is typically yeah. always a, an 11 o'clock kick. Yeah, it's usually an 11 a.m. <laughs> kick. And so, yeah. And, and so those are the ones. He'll always do scoreboard. And so... He's got tech, he's got they've got TC, or TCU which obviously is local so it's not a huge deal mm-hmm. and then he's driving back to Austin on on Saturday that's ridiculous anyway he's a machine uh, him Craig and White. Step the cyborgs Craig White, the Texas <laughs> Football Hall of Famer we're Texas Football today we're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com talking football in the Lone Star State you can follow us on Twitter at DCTF like us on Facebook Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's follow us on Instagram Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's and of course see us at TexasFootball.com pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas football is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach uh, recognized with this special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 4, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. And 6A, Reginald Samples from Duncanville. Duncanville's legendary head coach added another milestone to his resume, earning win number 300 on Friday night with a 42-21 win over DeSoto. Coach Samples becomes the first black head coach in state history to win 300 games. Congratulations, Coach. In 5A, Cirilo Ojeda from Houston, Sharpstown. Coach Ojeda's Apollos got their first win of the year Friday night, a 20-14 thriller over Houston Austin. That win was Sharpstown's first district victory since October 27th, 2017. Congratulations to Coach. In 4A, Giovanni Gonzalez from Carrizo Springs. First-year head coach Giovanni Gonzalez has the Wildcats roaring early in the season as Carrizo's off to a 4-0 start. After pitching their fourth straight shutout to open the season, 21-0 over Catula. Carrizo Springs has outscored its four opponents 152-0 through their first four games. In 3A, Daniel Price from early. Coach Price has the surprising Longhorns off to a fantastic 4-0 start after a dominant 47-13 win over resurgent Merkel on Friday night. In 2A, Eric Williams from Burkeville. Coach Williams has the Mustangs off to their first 3-0 start since 1995 after Burkeville knocked off Mount Enterprise 20-8 on Friday night. In 1A, Brad Rayner from McLean. The Tigers have already surpassed their win total from 2020, improving to 4-0 thanks to a dominant defensive effort and a 22-0 win over LaFours. And the private school ranks Stephen Cox from Weatherford Christian. A week after a disappointing forfeit loss, Cox rallied his Lions in a big way, ringing up 377 rushing yards and rallying from a halftime deficit to bring home a 27-20 win over Howe. So those are your week four. Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches. We salute you. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. I don't think McLean's getting enough like eyesight on just how crazy that is. They went from the, they were the like, Ben Crockett era to absolutely plummeting last season out to now back seven, to 4-0. Okay. Like, that's I insane. Yeah, I don't think anyone has super paid attention to that. Yeah, I know. But they, they, it's been a bit of a, bit of a roller coaster. But uh, they are on the upswing right now. So congratulations to McLean. All right, Pickle. We're going to close this bad boy out uh, with our top 10 plays of the week. Uh, we're going to forego uh, 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 final thoughts. America's today. favorite segment. Sorry, America's second favorite segment, final thoughts. Because <laughs> uh, I've got to get out of here. I've got a meeting right now. But we are going to close you out with your top 10 plays of the week. So it's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Craig Way for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tapper. Vince Young, please be your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. And now, the Dave Campbell's Tech Football Top 10 Plays of the Week.
right side. Has the finish. There he goes again. There he goes again. Goes 30, again. 21 men to beat. He puts one move on him. Oh, oh, and shoots the shoes off of the defender. And into the... D, it is Friday night. Eventually we'll be under the lights. Technically they're on. Clear Creek jumps out to a 7-0 lead. We've got a crease. Midfield. Got a block. 30. And they won't catch him. Julius Morning with an answer. Trips up top. One receiver near side. That is Wheeler the second. Session on fourth and ten. Last effort here for Tascasita. Session is going to absolutely just heave it down the field for Chase Sowell, who comes in and makes the catch, and Sowell will take it in for the touchdown. How about that? Johnson hands one off Santana Scott. Right up the middle, Santana Scott breaks out into the open. 40, 30, one man to beat. Santana Scott is gone. Second and 10, Tower. Pressure, he's going to be dropped for a sack by Nuvo. The first of the night for the Katy Tiger defense. Chet looking, caught! Touchdown, Lake Creek! Unbelievable! Hampton makes the catch! Creep on down to the... Oh, they got him off sides. Martin passing right side, has a man. Touchdown, please, and backpedals in the end zone. Touchdown, Oh, my God. Marquise Johnson on the touchdown reception. There you go, baby. Oh! Thanks so much for watching that video. If you would like more.